Welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode number 157. Our Sunday worship service for March 15th, 2020 is ready. It is the third in the series, The Life. You have everything you need to start your journey. So our scripture today is Matthew 25, 13. Be on the alert then for you do not know the day nor the hour. Now, as we often do, I want you to take a minute and think about how you feel about that piece of scripture. You've heard that one before and you felt things about it before. I think that that it's one of those pieces where if you take it really quickly, if you just take it on the flat, it sounds like sort of a cowabunga, just do it kind of a YOLO <laughs> kind of a thing because the idea on the flat is, you know what, you don't know what's going to happen next. And over and over again, if you know about what Jesus stands for, what he's been talking about up to this point, it's very clear that he's not concerned about who you used to be, what you used to be doing. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the ministry is all about forgiveness. And so if you know, okay, I'm supposed to let go of the past. And here's this part where he's saying, don't worry about what's going to happen next because you don't know. He's just saying, okay, everybody stay frosty. I think that there's something... uh, really motivational about the idea that on the flat, this scripture is about stay in the moment. It's beautiful. I like that idea. Mindfulness is a big deal. Show up for your life. Be alert. Okay, that's great. Feels good. But it's not everything. Because you know as well as I do that if you've heard this piece of scripture before, you know that it is so often used for a lot more than some kind of carpe diem kind of a, oh Jesus, my Jesus kind of a thing, right? There's something else going on there. You like that one? That was for you. There's more to it. And in fact, depending on where you went to Sunday school, you may have heard that be on the alert then for you know not the day nor the hour as a way of saying everybody is out of luck. It's going to be bad. Everyone needs to rush to the store and buy toilet paper. <laughs> Wait a minute. But you know what I mean? That's the thing that, that can sometimes come up for people. On the other hand, if you went to a different kind of place for Sunday school, maybe you heard that same piece of scripture used to illustrate the idea that, you know what, any minute now, all of the things that have been bothering you, that have been holding you back, that have been keeping you feeling small, they're going to go away soon. So it can be used as an incredibly motivational thing, or it can be used as an incredibly demotivational thing. And so the question is, well, which is it? You know, this is the big deal. And in fact, it's the question that we have, but it's also the question that the disciples had for Jesus. Jesus uses this quote at the end of a story that he tells the disciples. And the way that this went down is the disciples basically asked him, Okay, Jesus, what's this, what's this going to be like? You know, you talk about the idea that everything's going to change. You talk about the idea of this kingdom of heaven thing that, frankly, I can't really wrap my head around, say the disciples. So what is this thing that's about to happen? What is this thing that's in our midst? What is this thing that's supposed to change everything, but it's already here? And I don't understand how that works. Is it up in the sky? Is it in Akron? Where, where is this? How does it go? Right? And so in response, Jesus told a whole bunch of stories. And you know some of the stories. You heard the stories before, but this is the one that I want to talk about today because 
he says, okay, guys, the kingdom of heaven is like 10 bridesmaids. It's like a Discovery Channel show. The kingdom of heaven is like 10 bridesmaids. And the idea is, and he goes on to tell a story, maybe you know the story. He says, they're getting ready to go to the wedding party. And it's taken a while. The sun starts to go down. And so each of the bridesmaids has a lamp, you know, because you need to light stuff up. And remember, light's an important metaphor. We use it all the time. But five of the bridesmaids are foolish and they don't have any oil left over for their lamp. Oil's an important thing. Remember, you know about Hanukkah, maybe. You know about the miracle of there's as much oil as there can be. You know about this. This is a big deal, too. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But okay, so five of the ten bridesmaids are foolish and they don't have any gas in the tank. And five of them do. Gets late, everybody falls asleep, and then pretty soon somebody says, hey, everybody, wake up, put your shoes on, it's time to go to the party. The bridegroom is here. And the ones who have oil go out, they light their, uh, they turn on their heart light, let it shine wherever they go, and uh, they get to go to the party. The bridesmaids who don't have any say, hey, give me some of your oil. This is important. Put this in your pocket because we're going to talk about this more in a minute. The bridesmaids who do have oil say to the bridesmaids who don't have oil, I can't give you this. Wait a minute. That seems selfish. That doesn't seem like a very Jesus-y thing to say, but we'll talk about what that means in a minute, but just hang on to it. It's important. They go to, the ones who don't have oil go to, I guess, Texaco and uh, Jerusaco. Anyway, they go to wherever you go. (laughs) And while they're gone, you like that one, while they're gone, the bridesmaids who had oil to start with, they go to the party. And the bridesmaids who don't have oil don't get to go to the party. This is an important thing. Now, we'll talk about what all of that means. But at the end of the day, I can imagine myself in that crew with the disciples. I always try to imagine what must it have been like. Maybe you think about that too. I can imagine myself in that room with the disciples going, okay, okay, that's great. Good story. It feels very, you know, little red henny kind of a story. I guess I need to get oil. But what does it mean? What's the point of this? You haven't told me the thing I need to know about. How does this work? Is it just that Jesus is in the pocket of big oil? How does this work? What is the point of this? And so we have to dig a little bit deeper. There's, there's more going on in that story. I'm laughing because my dog is in the living room and he decided that he wanted to squeak his toy. That's what just happened. Welcome to my home. But anyway, so what does the story mean? Does it mean that everything's about to change? Does it mean that nothing's about to change? Does it mean that there's this thing that's always been here that I'm just going to wake up to? Does it mean something's coming? Nothing's coming. I'm going to change. Nothing's going to change. What's the deal? Right? That's what we got going on. And what I want to impress upon you is that one of the themes that we work on throughout this Easter series is to look for the third answer. Remember, we talked about this, to look for the synthesis, to live in a third dimension where it's not this or this, it's both and. There's something really important about that idea. And so to the question, is it this thing that's coming that's going to change everything? Or is it something that's always been true? The answer that Jesus Christ is saying here and in other places too is yes. Both things. 
So when you start out with the idea, the, the important thing to remember is this heaven thing is something that's in your midst. And so you start your journey by seeing something that's already there. This is important because so many times people say, I can't wait to make my miracle happen. I can't wait till I read the right books and learn my affirmations so that I can manifest a car, let's say. <clears throat> but if God's already here and you're trying to make your good happen, you're probably just getting in the way. What if instead of trying to manifest something, it's about seeing something that's already there? Think about it. When you pray, maybe it's going to be healthy to stop trying to pray to make something happen, and it's going to be a lot healthier to start praying to see something. Because the difference between the quote-unquote good, wise bridesmaids and the not-so-good, not-so-wise bridesmaids has to do with their ability to see something. <coughs> So what do you see? That's the thing. The answer is it's both because when you see something that's always been there, it will change everything. Sound good? Okay. So let's break it down. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like 10 bridesmaids. And that word might vary according to the scripture you have, the Bible translation you have. Sometimes the word virgins is used, for example, Different words are used in different places. But the point is, it's important because the idea is here are people who have not been out in the world. Here are people who haven't dated, let's say. But more than that, here are people who have not had jobs, who have not started homes, who have not done anything yet. It's really important that your story start from a place of purity. It's kind of like the, the Garden of Eden story. It's important that they start from a pure place. And so let me say right now that the beginning of the miracle journey, the beginning of this story happens when you start from a place where you are unmediated. You're not biased. You're not influenced by something else. And so people say, well, how can I get what I want? How can I get God to listen to me? How can I make these things happen? How can I, right? Before you learn your affirmations, before you memorize your prayers, before you do any of that prayer work, which is all wonderful and important and special and everything, before you do any of that, get to a place where you are unmediated. In other words, get to a place of purity in your heart. How can you get to a place that's beyond your biases and your prejudices? How can you get to a place where, you know what? What I know is just what I have in my heart, not what I had to deal with because of emotional baggage, let's say, or upbringing, let's say, or whatever else it is. Get to a pure place in your heart. That's what the bridesmaids are. Now, it's interesting that there are five of them who have no oil and no clue. It's interesting, right? It's interesting because Bible scholars say you got five senses. You got five senses. And the idea is the ones who are foolish are the ones who are living according to what their senses tell them, what they see and touch and feel and taste and all of that, which is not especially important. I mean, we're talking about being aware of something that's bigger, right? And so the idea is the foolish ones are the ones who only believe what they see. 
There's a real problem with living based on what your sensory input is, and that is that you can't see anything coming until it's right in front of you. The problem with living on a material level, or as I call it, reactive living, in other words, reacting to the things that come in, is so often you don't have the information you need. What happens when the lights go out? We've lived in this house for how long, Jenny? Eight years. And in those eight years, we've had the same bed, and it's been in the same place. And almost every night, if I get up to deal with our dog because he's squeaking a toy, if I get up to get a glass of water, if I get up to do anything and I come back, I bump my leg on the bed. It has happened for eight years. It will happen for the rest of my days because the lights are out. And apparently I am unable to cope with the bed being where it is. I just can't do it. Is there something in your life yeah, right? Is there something in your life like that that you keep bumping up against? Is there something in your life where it's not going to move? It's on you, but you don't have the ability to move because you're living by your senses. You're living by what materially comes in. You're living by your reaction. Well, you know which bridemaid you are in the story, and if you know that, you can change it, right? That's what we're talking about. Here's the idea. The bridesmaids who are wise are the ones who are willing to see something different, not based on what comes in, but based on what was always there. What do you see based on that level? Those are the ones that get to go to the wedding, and weddings are important too. This is an important metaphor because a wedding is one of the few ceremonies, one of the few rituals that actually gets paperwork involved. I mean, think about it. There's a lot of ceremonies you can go to in a church where you do your thing, preacher says some words, and everybody goes home. Usually you go out to lunch, and that's about it. And now lunch is important, but that's about it. And it's up to you to feel how you feel about it. It's up to you if you're going to change your life about it. It's all on you. And that's wonderful, and you should seize that opportunity. But a wedding is an important one. And I think it's why we use it in the story, because in a wedding, everything changes. Your name changes. Where you live changes. The whole deal. It's the beginning of a new life. When you are in a wedding ceremony, especially in the olden days, property changed hands. It was a political thing. Think about how many times, even in the Bible, when you look at genealogies, it has to do with these people got married and then this happened. So it's a big deal historically, politically, economically, and that kind of thing. More than that, it's a big deal because when I get to do a wedding, one of the things that I love saying, it's part of the, part of the thing we read, is we say, you are entering on an act of pure faith in which you give of yourselves to the utmost. It's one of my favorite parts of, of what we say, and it sounds like just pretty words, and then they are, but there's more than that going on because the idea is this is pure faith. I can't see what's coming next. I know what bridesmaid I am now. I got the oil. And that vision is combined with the idea of giving. It's not about what I can get out of it. You know, it's going to be a real, uh, real problem if somebody says to me, you know, my marriage isn't paying off. <laughs> it's like, well, it's not supposed to. That's not how any of this works. You give something without thought of attachment, without thought of recompense. And because you let that go, you do end up benefiting, but not in the way that you thought. There's no balance sheet. And that's beautiful. But more than that, the reason that a wedding is important, that metaphor is important, is because two people walk in, one family comes out. 
That's what's important about it. Over and over again, we've said with this Easter series, look for the synthesis. Look for the thing that that brings you out of yourself, that combines you with something bigger, where it's not thesis and antithesis, it's synthesis, which is very hard to say if you have a speech impediment. But it's that thing that is more than. Can you get out of your own way? Let me say that differently. Have you ever been in the situation where you feel like saying always a bridesmaid and never a bride with your life? It means it's time to give of yourself. It means it's time to get out of your own way. It means if you feel like you're always a bridesmaid, it's time to let go of something and let yourself change. Can you be open to that idea of change? Because that's what's on the table. And that is what everybody has been waiting for. Now, it's okay if it takes a while. Remember in the story that all of the bridesmaids, the ones with and without oil, all of them are waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting for so long that they fall asleep. It might feel like you have fallen asleep in your life. It might feel like, you know what, this has taken forever. But here's the deal, guys. If you're waiting for something that's already true, it's going to take as long as it takes you. So part of the reason I think that Jesus says, look, everyone falls asleep. The quote-unquote good ones and the quote-unquote bad ones, they all fall asleep because we are all in this situation. Isn't it interesting that all of them are bridesmaids, the quote-unquote good guys and the quote-unquote bad guys? Isn't it interesting that they all have the same job. They all are from the same place. This is not all this bad tribe. They're all the same. And more than that, all of them fall asleep. It's okay if you feel like, you know what, I don't know which way to go here. It's okay if you feel like, you know what, I'm I'm numb to what needs to happen next. It's okay if you feel like, I got to have a wake-up call here. Everybody's been there. And I want to dispel the idea that if you're a good Christian or something, you're always wide awake to this whole thing. They all fall asleep. Here's the difference. The difference is, do you want to wake up or not? That's the deal. Do you want to wake up or not? I'm trying to expand your mind, Neo. You know, it's that moment. Do you want to stay in the thing and be asleep the whole time or not? That's what it it takes. And I think that everybody listening to this, because you're the kind of person that listens to a church broadcast from some nut job's living room at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning, you're probably the kind of person that goes, well, I want to wake up, of course. Good. I'm glad. And I think that's true about you. I want it to be true about me too. But here's the thing. There's a lot of ways in our culture to stay asleep. There's a lot of ways in our culture to self-medicate. There's a lot of ways to use chemicals, to use drama. There's a lot of ways to want to hang on to whatever it is that keeps us still because it's comfortable to sit in a dysfunction because I know what's going to happen next. It's comfortable to keep repeating the same cycles and the control stuff and the drama stuff because I know what's going to happen next. But you know what's going to happen next? You're going to stay asleep. The difference between the quote-unquote good bridesmaids and the quote-unquote bad bridesmaids are that the good ones wanted to wake up. That's it. That's the only difference. It's not biological. It's not financial. It's not political. It's not anything else. It's just desire. So do you want to wake up? So ask yourself of the things in your life. The next time you get in an argument, the next time you're, you're, you're doing the thing where you're defending a silly idea, the next time you feel sick and hurt and afraid, the next time you do something to protect the thing, you know what I mean? Ask yourself, is this going to help me wake up or is this going to help me fall asleep? Or stay asleep, I should say. 
all of a sudden we realize that the, the goal for this life, according to the story, according to what Jesus is talking about, the goal in life is not to accumulate enough knowledge. The goal is not to accumulate enough opinion. The goal is not to read every single book about the Bible. That's great. But that ain't it. You know, there's a lot of ministers all over the country right now who are trying to figure out what church looks like when people aren't allowed to show up. And me and my brothers and sisters all over the world are going, wait a minute, it's not about how many people sit down in how many chairs. How can we connect with something bigger than ourselves? This is a tremendous lesson for all of us. Let it be a lesson for you too. It's not about how much information or money or property or toilet paper you can own. Oh, we're going to look back on that one and laugh like in a week because they're still making toilet paper. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Anyway, here's the question. What can wake you up? Ask yourself of this conversation, of this place you're going to go, this thing you're going to do, this thing you're going to think about, will this help me wake up? In other words, what is this getting me ready for? Because you're going to get what you put out there. What is this making me ready for? When the disciples asked Jesus about heaven, about this whole thing, about this life, when the disciples asked him about this, he told them a bunch of stories. And that seems like a weird thing, right? Think about it with me. How else are you going to do this? When someone asks you if you love somebody, I sure hope you don't just run down their biological characteristics. When someone asks you why your favorite song is your favorite song, I hope that you don't go to a place where you're talking about how sound travels through the ear canal or something weird like that. That ain't how anything works, right? Not anything important. We all come to a time in our lives when we realize that the most important things are things that you cannot describe with facts. Facts are secondary to truth. We all come to a time in our lives where we realize that the things that are important are the things that you have to tell a story about. So take a moment. Ask yourself, am I telling my story? We've talked about that before, but more than that, of the things in your life that you spend your time thinking about and doing, how much of those things can you describe with facts and how much of those things are something you got to tell a story about? Why did you do that thing you did? I did it so I can make money. That ain't a story. Why did you do that thing you did? Well, you know how you feel when you finally feel like you're part of something and you have to move forward? That's a story. You know what's important about your life. You know the things that move you. Find those things and be moved by them. If the thing you're doing does not require a story, should you be doing it? That's the question. We are creatures of story. That's why Jesus told parables. He also told parables because the word itself means to put next to. So the idea is I've got this incredible big thing that you can't wrap your head around. So what I'm going to do is say this incredible big thing that you don't know is like this thing that you do know. It's like this, right? That's what a parable is. And it's a great teaching tool. If you ask me what it's like to go skateboarding, which is something that I used to love to do, I can't like describe the facts of how wheels on pavement work. You can probably figure that out. It doesn't tell you why some idiot would try to do that because it's very dangerous and the hospitals don't want to see you anymore, right? 
But if I say, well, it's like that feeling of freedom. It's like the sensation. It's like feeling like you can defy gravity. Okay, that. Find things that are like that. Put it next to something. And I say that because what I want you to know is I think that sometimes people in church life, when we start reading about this, we start thinking about this, we pray about this, we say, I want my prayer to come true. I want to understand how the Bible works. I want the Jesus Christ idea to have some kind of weight in my life. I want this, but it's too big. How do I deal with the bigness, right? Make your life a parable. In other words, start with what you know. Turn it around and ask yourself, what about my life that I know right now is like this bigness that I can't wrap my head around? What about my life feels like love, feels like truth, feels like freedom? What about my life feels like how I want to feel? This doesn't have to be complicated. And I bet as you're listening to me, you're making that list. You know some things that don't feel like you want to feel. Okay, you're on the right track. Find those things that liberate you, that light something up for you. And I said I would get back to this, so here's the deal about the whole thing. Light is an important metaphor all over. Jesus says you're the light of the world. Light's important. Light up your world. Understand how that works. You light up my life. It's this thing. Hey, you got a light. That's a different thing. Anyway, we're told that light is an important part of this, that illumination idea. We're told that oil is an important, important part of this, that fuel. And that's the difference between a good bridesmaid and a bad bridesmaid as they got gas in their tank. And so let me ask you this. What lights you up? What inspires you? When we think about someone who's brilliant, the metaphor that I like to use, I like to, to bend the one you know about when people say the lights are on in nobody's home. I like to say that all my heroes are people, when you look at them, you go, the lights are on and everyone's home. Think about the pictures you've seen of important people in your life. Think about the people who really inspire you. They have that look. So I'm asking you to find that thing that that does that for you, to find that thing that inspires somebody else. That's the thing. Find your light. But I want you to remember with me that there's that moment in the story where things kind of go weird for a second, where the bridesmaids who have oil say, I can't give you this. And you can go selfish with that. And you can go, well, yes, because I'm a good Christian. I can't give you bad people something. But think about what we know about Jesus. At no time does Jesus go, there are some bad people that they don't deserve your whatever. You know better than that, right? So we're going to stop reading it that way. It doesn't line up. Instead, what's being said there is, there are things in your life that you cannot give away. Not because people aren't worthy, not because you're not a good giver, but there are things in your life that you can't give, you can only show. You can't give your devotion to somebody. You have it. You can inspire it. I can't give you my years of practice and research. I can make you want to do it too, right? There are things in your life. I can't even really give you my love. You've got love. Love is already the truth any more than I can give you my gravity. It already is. All I can do is show you. So what's being said there is, I can't give you this oil because it's not a commodity. It's a truth. Ask yourself, how much of your life is devoted to things that you can give away and sell and hoard in the grocery store? I can't get off it because it's ridiculous. But ask yourself, what are the things in life that you can't give or take? 
What are the things that you can only show? Lean into those things. They're going to become more and more important as you grow. What can you not give, you can only show. Because that's what the world wants to see. You don't know the day or the hour because you don't know how long it's going to take you to get to the place where you're okay with something that's already true. It's going to take as long as it takes. But that time gets shorter and shorter when we realize that God's here, that you're loved, that right now you can change your mind because right now you're free. And after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the lesson and hopefully for taking some time to apply what we talked about in your life. That's where this really happens. I love the idea that church isn't something that happens to you, but rather something that happens through you. What you do based on what you've heard can change your life and really change the world. This is just the beginning of a bigger journey. And if you want to continue your journey with us, I'd love for you to like and subscribe us on YouTube where you can watch the videos. Come join us in person. Our street address and all kinds of information is at our website, waterandstonechurch.com. All of that sort of thing. If you want to give electronically, that's where to do it. If you want to connect with us on social media, and you really should do that there, waterandstonechurch.com. Thank you for being a part of this work.